Thank you so much, Dries uh, and, and team, for leading us so well. Um, I think that was so amazing because you, you, you made us focus on Jesus rather than on the track. Uh, and I think we can all safely say that you, you led us into the present. So thank you um, for that. Good morning, family. I hope everyone is doing well. Um, sorry, I'm just opening up. Um, and that people are excited that the Rugby World Cup is here, um, that you're enjoying the rugby. Uh, and I just want to highlight the, 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 the fan park that we are having on Saturday. Um, it's just an amazing time where we can get together in fellowship. Um, I'm not, personally, I'm not much of a rugby fan. Uh, I don't know what's going on half of the time. Um, but uh, I love meat, and so I will be at the fan park. <laughs> yes. And so, uh, if you love meat as much as I do, uh, and you love people, I want to encourage you, come to the fan park. Uh, all the rugby lovers who will be there will teach us, um, and then we'll share our love with meat uh, with them. <laughs> um, and also, this is also an amazing opportunity to invite uh, the people that we are reaching out to, the people who we are trusting uh, to get saved, the people that we are trusting to join our connect groups to this as well, to actually experience family and get to meet our spiritual family as well. Um, so I just want to encourage you uh, to prioritize um, this Saturday. Uh, and today we, uh, we have a Social Responsibility Sunday. Um, and so our, our mission statement and our vision as a church is we exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. And one of the things uh, about social responsibility, it's so easy for us to confuse social responsibility and think it is an every nation thing, uh, yet it is actually God's idea. It's not every nation's idea. It is actually God's idea. Uh, and when we don't fully understand social responsibility, uh, it's not that we don't understand every nation DNA. It's that we don't fully understand the gospel. And I hope and I pray that this, uh, through this morning's sermon, uh, that you'll be able to understand what the gospel is and respond from a place of the gospel, rather responding to what every nation says responding from the gospel rather than responding to this is what we are doing as a church uh, with the different initiatives that we have when it comes to social responsibility. One of the things I've been deeply convicted on um, uh, as, a, as a young person, because uh, I'm not yet 30, right? I'm still in my 20s. Uh, I'm 29, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> so I'm almost 30, so I'm going to claim that I'm in my 20s for, uh, until I reach 30. One of the things about uh, being young is that you want to have control over your life, right? You want to make decisions. You want to have final say. But the tough thing about being a Christian is that Jesus calls us to surrender it all, to surrender our lives, to surrender our decisions, to surrender every single detail of our lives. No matter how big, no matter how small, the gospel demands that we submit our lives to Jesus. And one of the difficult things about being a Christian is that being a Christian has nothing to do with you. 
but has everything to do with the people who aren't in God's presence. The people who aren't yet saved, the people who are marginalized in society, it has nothing to do with us who are seated here, but we as a church, we actually exist for those who aren't seated here. And this morning, we want to focus on those who don't have family. Because when God created man and woman, he created family. He created that this is a structure that when children are born, they're going to be born into this family. And because of this, they are going to have safety. They're going to have uh, protection. They're going to have provision. They're going to have love. They're going to get to know me through the mother and the father. Yet, unfortunately, Sin has entered into the world, and because of sin, that plan hasn't gone according to plan. Other things have happened. Children are born into broken families where a father would pass away at a very young age prematurely. Children are born into families where they are actually uh, thrown away into a a garbage uh, bin, or they're thrown away in a felt, and now they have to figure their lives out from that place there was a plan because of sin the plan hasn't gone according to plan and we'll be reading from james 1 james chapter 1 verse 27 so james for those of you who don't know is jesus's brother and jesus's brother was writing to a people who have who are being persecuted who have lost their homes who have lost their jobs um, and they are just on the run fearing for their lives Because as a Jew, you couldn't have become a Christian in that time. And it is so interesting that it is so easy for the the, the Christians that he's writing to to focus on their situation. Yet when he opens up the letter, he tells them, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. That this situation you are going through, though it is difficult, though it is tough, count it joy. And don't necessarily focus on the situation, but focus on what's happening externally. Focus on what's on on God's heart. It's not that you aren't on God's heart, but you shouldn't be focused on just yourself, but focus on the things that God is focusing on. And as people, it is so easy for us to want to focus on our work, to focus on our families, to focus on the things that matter most to us. And there's nothing wrong with these things. It's just that we have our priorities mixed up. Is that instead of prioritizing the things that are most important to God, we prioritize the things that are most important to us. And we see this through scripture that when we prioritize the things that are most important to God, God will prioritize us and the things that are important to us. Yet we need to surrender and and prioritize the things that are important to God. So James 1.27 says the following. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And close our eyes as we pray. Father, I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you are God. I thank you that you are sovereign. I thank you that you are king. Father, I pray this morning that you would speak through me, that we are here to hear from you as your children, to align our lives to your will rather than our own wills. Speak to us clearly, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So, James is writing to a persecuted people, uh, a people who are on the run, a people who, 
who have lost everything. Um, they are scattered all over Israel, right? Because he calls them the diaspora. So they are not where they are supposed to be. And in that, there, there's some poverty that they're experiencing because now you're on the run. You can't necessarily do your job uh, that you used to do. But then James comes and he tells them that a religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this, is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. I don't know about you, but I'd be asking James. You know, I, I, I know James is the Lord's brother, um, and so he grew up with Jesus, so he knows Jesus uh, more than I do. But I'd be like, James, uh, I'm also uh, afflicted uh, right now, so shouldn't people also be visiting me in this time? Shouldn't people also be caring for me and my needs and what I'm going through? Uh, shouldn't someone be helping me find a job? Shouldn't someone be helping me put food on the table? Um, shouldn't someone helping me build a home? Shouldn't someone be helping me? find a place of safety where I can also be safe rather than me focusing on the orphans and the widows. Yes, they are going through a lot, but I'm also going through a lot. It's not just them. I'm also going through a lot. Surely God understands that I'm going through a lot and therefore I can focus on my situation and what I am going through. Yet James, fully aware of this, fully aware of what they are going through, tells them that a religion that is pure and undefiled before God is one that focuses on those who are in need. Yes, physically you may be in need, but there are others who are in a greater need than you. So, what is religion? Religion is our acts of worship. Religion is worship expressed through our acts. We just finished a, a powerful sermon series on worship. And one of the things, um, worship is not just song, uh, but worship is a lifestyle. Worship is what we do. Worship is how we think about God. Worship is how we interact with people. Worship is our acts that we express. And so when we are worshiping God, our acts need to be pure and undefiled. When we worship God, our acts need to be for God rather than something else. Because it is possible for us to be saved. It is possible for us to be worshiping, but to not worship God. We worship anything and everything but God. As I was saying that it's so easy for the, for, the, for the Christians who are receiving this letter to say, hey, I'm going through something. I have needs myself. I need a job. I need this, that, and the other. But in that moment, they would not be worshiping God, but rather they would be worshiping their situation because their focus is on their situation. And so even though it is a legitimate concern, it is a legitimate thing that they are going through, that God definitely cares about, but in that moment, because their eyes are focused on the ground, their eyes are focused on what's around them, rather than their eyes looking up towards God, rather than their eyes focusing on what's on God's hearts, their worship in that moment would be defiled. And when we focus on ourselves, when we focus on our lives and what's happening in our lives, our worship before God is no longer pure and undefiled, but is now impure and defiled. It is defiled by the cares of the world. It is defiled by the, the obsession with self. It's defiled by the situation that we are going through. 
when we focus on God, when our worship and, and our focus is on God, when everything and anything we do is for the audience of one rather for the, than the audience of many, our worship is pure and undefiled. And that is what James is calling us to do as a church. That's what James is calling us to do as a, as a body of believers is to have a worship that is undefiled and that is pure. A worship that is purely focused on God and God alone. A worship where we're not seeking what's on our hearts, but rather each and every single day we go before the Father and we'll ask Him, Father, who and what is on your heart today so that my acts can line up with what is on your heart? It is so easy for us to start our days on autopilot uh, and just having a to-do list that we have crafted ourselves that I need to bath my kids, take them to school. Uh, I need to do my job. I need to do this, that, and the other. All those things are important. But what's more important is us daily coming before the Father and asking him, Father, what is on your heart for today? so that my acts can line up with what is on your heart rather than what is on my heart. And so again, our priorities are skewed, is that we prioritize self before we prioritize God. And when we prioritize self, our worship is impure and our worship is defiled. We need to orient our lives in such a way that our greatest priority is seeking the heart of the Father for each and every single day so that our worship can align with what's on the Father's heart rather than what's in our heart and our own thoughts and what we want to do. So that is a, a, a religion that is pure and undefiled before God. And then he says, the religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And so to visit is to care for. Uh, to visit is to look after. Uh, to visit isn't just going to see someone and saying, hi, how are you? How are you doing? And then you're leaving. No, but it's to be in that situation with that person, to care for the person, to serve that person in the situation that they are in. And so before, the God, before God the Father, his priority is the orphan and the widow because they are afflicted. The orphan and the widow aren't part of a, a family. They are on their own. They are fending for themselves. And so even biblically, this is what uh, the condition of an orphan and a widow is described as saying. It, to be an orphan and to be a, a widow means to be deprived, to be cut off, to be stripped bare, or to be abandoned. In, in the Bible, an orphan and a widow is someone who is bereft of the full provision of flourishing that could be provided by a husband or a family. So we see that orphans and widows are the most vulnerable in society because they have nothing around them. All they have is just themselves and they have to fend for themselves. The circumstances that leave people um, as orphans and widows include a lot of things. But at the root of it, it's all because of sin that people find themselves in these circumstances, these difficult circumstances that they themselves can't get themselves out of. But God is fully aware of their situation, and God has a plan for them. 
But his plan involves, guess who? Us as the church. We are God's plan A for the world. We are God's plan A for the orphan and the widow. God doesn't have a plan B. God doesn't work with plan Bs. God works with a plan A, and that is, that is his people. And so as a church, God is calling us to prioritize this. One of the things I don't want to do when I get to heaven is the Lord asking me that I told you to take care of the widow, widow and the orphan. Were you faithful with what I told you to do? God will not ask me about my job. God will not ask me um, about the things that were most important to me, but God will hold me accountable to the things that were most important to him. One of the things when I think about orphans and widows, um, uh, my wife and I, when we were, we were still dating, you know, at the time, it sounded like a great thing to say, where I was like, yeah, I'd love for us to adopt, right? Um, because it, it sounds like a good idea. Uh, and now that we have kids of our own, the more I want to think about, man, having kids is so hard. Uh, I'm like, at two, I'm done. Um, I even prayed a few months ago, and I was like, Lord, I'm done. No more kids. I can't do it anymore. Um, two is enough. I think this is where I have reached my threshold. And, um, and the Lord keeps reminding me, he's like, yeah, but you know, you, you told your wife, you know, that adopting would be a good idea. I'm like, yeah, Lord, you know, I was just trying to impress her. Now, um, now that I have her, there's no need for me to impress her anymore, right? <laughs> like, I, 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 what? Yeah, I achieved what I, what I was going for. And the Lord is like, no, you will adopt because this is something that is very much on my heart. Sorry. <laughs> because what the Lord has been challenging me on and has just been challenging my wife and I on is that it's so easy to orient our lives on what's most convenient for us. It is so easy for us to orient our lives on what's most important to us. But the Lord has other plans where he said, no, 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 I've put you guys together because, yes, you guys are going to have natural kids, but there are kids out there who have also set apart so that you guys can adopt them. So they can be part of your family and get to experience what family is. They can get to experience God's redemption as well. Because this is something that is very much on God's heart. And so the, the, the choice is, is, is very clear. It's either we obey as a family or disobey. And so the point I'm driving here is, and I'm not saying everyone now must go and adopt, but the point I'm driving at is that you need to go before the Father and find out how can you serve the orphan and the widow. Because this is something that is very much on God's heart and God is going to hold us accountable to this. It's not something where he's, he's going to let it slide because this is something that is very important. Even in the Old Testament, uh, how farmers were to farm, they weren't allowed to take everything uh, when it was harvest time, but they were supposed to leave some so that the widows can come and also glean off of their land as well. So even within their income as a farmer, they had to be thinking about the widows and the orphans that were around them that were in their community. This is something that is very much on God's heart. But let's, let's look at God's redemption story. So I'm going to share my testimony for this part. Um, so uh, I'm Ngati. I come from Springs. Uh, and so my, 
my parents got divorced when I was around 12 years old. And so uh, when they got divorced, it was a tough one for me. I didn't understand what was going on, but it, it was what it was. Uh, we made do with the situation as it was. And one of the things that, you know, my, my, my father did, um, where in the divorce settlement, the, my, my, my dad was ordered to pay the courts 1,500, I mean, pay maintenance of 1,500 rand a month. And my mom was like, I know this man. He won't pay 1,500. Rather, have him buy a, a 10 kg of maize meal each month um, so that he can at least take care of the kids that way. But the rest, my mom said, she'll figure it out. She'll make a plan. Um, and the court was like, wow, okay, fine. That's what we'll settle. And uh, unfortunately, my dad didn't even um, do a 10 kg of, of maize meal each month. Uh, and a 10 kg of maize meal is, 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 at the time, I don't know how much it was, but I know right now it's about 150 rand. So that's basically 10% of 1,500. And my dad didn't care enough um, to do that for my brother and I. And so that left me in a place where I was very, uh, I felt abandoned, I felt quite rejected, knowing that my father, uh, who I know, whom I love, does not want to take care of me and my brother at all. That this is something that he doesn't want. And some years later, when I was around 16 or 17 years old, uh, part of the divorce settlement was that my mother gets the whole house uh, and my dad gets nothing because where are the kids supposed to live? He's not even paying maintenance of a 10 kg maize meal each month. So uh, the courts gave the house to my mother. Um, and then when I was 16, 17, my dad came back with a vengeance. He was very angry um, that the, how dare the court do this? He's left with nothing. And so he tried to get me on his side to have the house sold so that he can get like 50% of that um, so that he can take care of himself and, you know, advance his businesses. And uh, I was just like, nope. I am not going to partner with you in this scheme of yours because where are me and my brother and my mother supposed to live, right? Uh, and in his anger, he was like, okay, you are no longer my son. I disown you. Um, I want nothing to do with you anymore. And so there, right there and then, um, I was orphaned, right? Uh, because then now my father, whom I know, who refused to take care of me, uh, made me an orphan simply because of the sin in his heart. And it was a tough upbringing because my mom was a teacher and her salary wasn't a lot at the time. And so taking care of two kids, uh, my younger brother is deaf. He had a lot of special needs and that, that does come with its expenses in itself. Uh, we felt like we were on the fringes of society. I, I, I believed for the longest of time that I'm on the fringes of God's love and God's presence and God's provision. Um, that there are people who God loves more than, he, than, than I do. And so I was always just on the fringes that I, I, I'm unworthy of receiving God's love. And so um, I, I, I developed an orphan spirit where I felt like I need to fend for myself. I need to fight for myself. I need to make things happen by myself. But there's only so much you can do in your own strength um, to alleviate yourself from that situation. As a student, I encountered Christians on campus, uh, and they started reaching out to me, and they were sharing the gospel with me, and they were actually sharing um, bread with me each and every single day. Like, literally, there was a time where I couldn't afford bread, but each and every single day I had bread because of the Christians uh, on campus. Because at the dining hall, they gave them bread, uh, and then they took that bread and they gave it to me. They made sure I had peanut butter, I had jam as well, I had tea, and I just had, you know, when it says, Lord, give us today our daily bread, I literally had bread each and every single day because of the Christians. 
And it just got to a point where I was like, guys, this is, this is too much now. Like, you, you, like, I feel like I'm a burden. I feel like I'm, I, I'm not worthy of this. And they were like, no, we love you. And we want to take care of you. And we want to see you know God's love in the way that we do. And so if we don't have bread, that's fine with us just so long as you get to have God's bread. And that was, and that was just like a small act of being socially responsible that really ministered to me, um, that really moved me even more closer and closer towards Christ, to a point of accepting Christ. I accepted Christ, I became a Christian, but the orphan spirit was still there because there were certain parts of my heart that weren't fully surrendered to God, right? And it was only um, a few years ago where, 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 where someone ministered to me deeply into this father wound that I had, uh, into this pain that I had where I finally was able to accept God as a father, where I was finally able to say, okay, God, I see you as a father. Not only do I see you as Lord, not only do I see you as Savior, but I finally see you as father. Uh, and now going on a journey where I understand what it means to be fathered by God. A lot of us sitting here don't necessarily have the same testimony uh, as, as I do, where they, you were abandoned by a father, where you, where you had people taking care of you. But because we were all born into sin, that means we were born without a heavenly father. And somewhere, somehow, along the line, we had to start fending for ourselves. And so when we fend for ourselves, we started participating in sin, started drinking, we started having sex, we started looking for love in any and everywhere possible but God the Father. A lot of people in the church today, it's not that they struggle with God being Lord. They don't struggle with God being Savior, but they struggle with God being Father because of how our earthly fathers have portrayed fatherhood to us. And this is something that God wants to redeem and restore in each and every single one of us, that he wants us to see him as father. Spiritually, we were all orphans. Spiritually, we were all widows, right? Because the Bible describes um, an orphan and a widow as someone who is deprived, someone who is cut off, someone who is stripped bare, someone who is abandoned. Outside of Christ, you are stripped off from the Father's love. Outside of Christ, you are abandoned from the Father's love. Outside uh, of Christ, you are bereft of the full provision that comes in Christ. Outside of Christ, we are all orphans and widows. But because of Jesus, but because of his death on the cross, because of his redemption, we are now restored into right relationship with the Father. And therefore, we are no longer orphans and widows, but now we are all sons and daughters. We are the bride of Christ because now we have a husband. Jesus is our husband. Because of Jesus, we now have full provision. Because of Jesus, we are no longer stripped naked. Because of Jesus, we are no longer bare, but we are covered and we are clothed in Christ. When God the Father looks at us, he doesn't see our sin, he doesn't see our orphan spirit, but rather he sees his son, Jesus, because we are in Christ. That's what the gospel purchased for us. And when we fail to take care of the orphan and the widow, it's because we did not know that we ourselves were once orphans and widows. We are the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. We are called to do what Christ did for us, for those that also need it. 
There are orphans and widows in this world that need the hands and feet of Christ and we are God's plan A. There is no plan B. He is sending us to to care for the orphan and the widow because we were once orphans and widows. We, even though physically we do not understand the situation that orphans and widows are in, but spiritually we fully understand because we were outside of God's presence. We were outside of God's love. But finally we have been restored because of Christ. We are now sons and daughters and we are now the bride of Christ. And so because of God's redemption story, because of God's redemption plan, we have been redeemed. And us as the redeemed are called to go and redeem those who cannot do it for themselves. There are orphans and widows in this world who are fending for themselves, who are fighting for themselves. And the Father is calling us to look at his heart and receive his heart so that we can go and serve the orphan and the widow. And the question is to us now as a church is that will we seek the Father's heart first and foremost and will we go and serve the orphan and the widow? Because our Christian faith calls us to to prioritize the things that are on God's heart first rather than the things that are on our heart. And it is truly up to you. And so as we close, I want you, as you close your eyes, I want you to think through what is the most important thing to you? What's the thing that with your time, with your gifts, with your, with your talents, with your finances, what is the thing that you prioritize above what is on God's heart? Because that is the thing which we need to lay down before God and say, God, this is getting in the way of me getting to know your heart the things that we value above Christ are the things that will inhibit us from hearing truly what is on God's heart and seeking what is on God's heart. Us being socially responsible is not a response to every nation, but is a response to the gospel. Social responsibility is a gospel response. Because we were once orphans and widows, we are now sons and daughters, we are now the bride of Christ, and therefore we respond from that place. But there are things that are are inhibiting our response. Father, I lay down all comfort. I lay down all self-preservation. I lay down the desire to acquire more. More resources. 
I even lay down my own desires. I stand in the gap and I lay down each and every single thing that people have identified as something that they prioritize above you, above seeking your heart. I lay it all down on their behalf. And Father, I ask that you'd reveal your heart to us. I ask that you reveal your heart for us, first and foremost. Reveal the great love that you have for us. Remind us of the fact that you love the world so much that you sent your one and only son to come and die on the cross. I ask that you pour your great love into our hearts so that we can know how loved we are, how accepted we are, and how cherished we are, how valued we are. Father, for the people here who are still struggling with an orphan spirit, I rebuke that spirit right now in the name of Jesus and I tell it to be gone. It has no authority here. And Father, I ask that you would establish your fatherhood over each and every single person. I ask that you establish yourself as a husband to each and every single person. That they would know the great love that they have. And I ask, Father, that you would give us direction on how to serve the orphan and the widow. Forgive us for prioritizing ourselves. Forgive us for prioritizing anything and everything but the orphan and the widow. And Father, we want to leave this place knowing that our true worship, which is pure and undefiled, is serving the orphan and the widow. Church, may we serve the orphan and the widow. May we prioritize the lost. May we prioritize what is on the Father's heart first and foremost, rather than what is on our hearts. In which is I pray. Amen.